Hey, it's so great to see all of you. We're honored that you're here today. And uh, do me a favor, give those that are watching today a round of applause and welcome them today. Man, we've had an amazing morning and uh, an incredible, incredible last couple of weeks. We missed having church. Man, I don't know about you, but there was just a, a void and a vacancy in my heart not being able to physically gather last Sunday due to the hurricane and Orange County Public Schools shutting down the schools and not uh, being able to have church. But thank God we're back in church today. So grateful that you're here. And uh, I just want to say this real quick before I share today's message. And I couldn't hear backstage. So I don't know if they have already said this, but uh, I just want you to know because of your faithful generosity through the regular ties and giving, you just need to know and understand that every week when we give financially through the tithe, we set aside, we have what we call a mission, designated fund that's designed for missions and outreach. And uh, one of the things that we do is we support various ministry partners. But at the same time, uh, when natural disasters occur and a crisis happens, we want to be able to have funds in place where we can meet needs and we can, at the drop of a hat, we can step in as a church and give financially where those funds are needed best. And so today, on top of everything else that we're giving, we're going to give an additional $5,000 as a church to help. Uh, we're going to be partnering with Convoy of Hope, Samaritan's Purse, uh, some of our ministry partners we've been partnering with for years when it comes to these type of uh, natural disasters and major crises that happen in our country. So thank you, church, for being the church, for being generous, for being generous. That's one of our core values: is generosity is our way. And uh, I just love the fact that we can be a generous church. God is a generous God, and we get to mimic His generosity. Well, hey, I got a question for you as we wrap up this series today called Work and Home. We've been learning what the Bible teaches us about how we can win in both of these important areas of our lives. And I'm curious to know, how many of you, if you are a business owner, maybe you work for a company, an organization, how many of you would be willing to have Jesus come and spend the day with you to do some leadership training, development, to basically teach your staff, work with your coworkers, talk with your company, the business, the organization that you work with, when it comes to leadership principles and practices, how many of you would be willing to invite Jesus to come and do some leadership consulting for your business or your company? Let me see your hands. All right, another question. How many of you, if you had the opportunity to have Jesus come to your house tonight for dinner and maybe have the opportunity to allow Jesus just to speak into your life, to mentor you, to coach you in the area of having a strong marriage, having a strong relationship with your kids, to build a rock-solid family that would impact generations to come. If Jesus could come and hang out at your house tonight and do a little leadership training to help you win at work and at life and at home, curious how many of you would take him up on it? Well, of course we would. Why? He's the greatest leader the world has ever known and ever will know. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. You're thinking, well, hey, I get it. Hey, I can appreciate it. But come on, would you consider Jesus to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time when it comes to leaders? Well, I would be safe to say without question. In fact, unequivocally, 
I would say yes to the fact that Jesus is the GOAT. He is the greatest leader of all time. You say, how do you make that claim? Where do you stand when it comes to your kind of data? What kind of factual information would you use to support that? Well, if you believe the Bible, if you believe the Word of God, here's what you need to understand. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews 2.18, He suffered, Jesus suffered, and endured every test and temptation so that He can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. So you need to understand, just like you deal with the ordeals of life, Jesus has already been there and done that. He has encountered the ordeals of life. He has suffered so that he could relate, he could identify, he's passed the test. Why? So that he could understand what it is that we face and we go through in our everyday lives. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says it this way. Paul said, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, and here's the difference, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need him most. I don't know about you, but I need God's grace. I need God's mercy at home, at work, and in every area of my life. And because God came to earth in the form of his son, Emmanuel, God with us, he came into this world, he was born into this world, just like you and I. Why? So that we could relate to him, we could understand him, so that we could identify with him, and he could relate and understand and identify with us. So therefore, Jesus Christ, being God, lived in this same world. He encountered everything you and I could ever imagine, and yet the Bible says he never sinned. Why? Because he is the perfect, innocent, sinless lamb of God. You agree with that today? Come on, somebody. He's the greatest leader of all time. And so with that, the biggest question is this. Are we willing to accept Jesus as our leadership role model when it comes to how we live at home and how we live at work? It's a huge question. And I believe, and I want to encourage you today, to embrace the idea of mimicking Jesus in the way he led and the way he lived so that we can take on the same kind of posture that Jesus exemplified for us. So what does it look like to lead like Jesus? Well, I'm going to give you four characteristics today I think are very, very important. Two, specifically, start with the internal, the inside, and the last two deal with the external, the outside. And so here's what we're going to talk about today because Jesus wanted his disciples to understand something that was very, very important. In fact, when Jesus began his ministry, Jesus gathered with his disciples. In fact, one of the things that kind of prompted the whole conversation was one of the disciples' mother got involved. And so because she was 
you know, wanting to make sure her son was taken care of. And he deserved the attention and recognition that she thought because a mama's boy, you know, she, she's wanting the best for her, her son. So she kind of pulls Jesus off to the side and she said, hey, Jesus, just make sure one day you got a place for my baby boy. Take care of him, okay? I mean, put him at the head table if that's okay. She's looking out for her son. And so Jesus began to connect the dots, and he began to sense an attitude, a perspective. And so he gathers with his disciples, and here's what he did. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, Jesus calls them together and he said, You know that the rulers in this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But notice what Jesus said. But among you, it will be different. In other words, hey, all the corporate leaders, political leaders, people on Wall Street, how they lead, how, what they do, how they do it. If you're going to be one of my disciples, we're going to do it different. He said, but among you, it will be different different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus basically painted a picture and said, hey, if you want to be a real role model, if you want to have great influence and have a great impact, no matter what your sphere of influence might be, and by the way, you need to understand, every person that's listening to my voice today, whether you realize it or whether you think it or whether you're willing to admit it, You need to understand and embrace the reality that you are a leader. Because anybody who has the opportunity to influence the way someone else thinks or what someone else does, guess what? That puts you in a position of leadership. Why? Because leadership is influence. And I promise you, there is somebody who looks at you and values your opinion. That means you have influence over people. So you got to realize that when it comes to how we lead and how we influence people, it can either be in a positive way or in a negative way. And here's what servant leadership looks like, and here's where it begins. Because Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, gathers with his his disciples, and he said, but among you, it's going to be different. Hey, we're going to take on the posture of a servant leader. And that's not just what you do. Guys, that's who you are. He gave them that identity. And the same is true with us. Leadership is not just something we do as followers of Jesus. It's who we are. God's called us to be great leaders of influence to impact the world. So where does it begin? It begins with the heart. Servant leadership always begins with the heart. And the reason why that's so important is simply because the heart, we have to realize, is driven by either a 
posture of putting other people before ourselves, in other words, we are others focused and others centered, or we take on the self-interest, self-seeking posture of doing whatever is best for us. In other words, we're either going to see people and use people as a means to our end, or we're going to come alongside and serve people and value people in a way that puts them in front of ourselves. There's a big difference. You say, how is there a big difference when it comes to self-leadership and others-focused leadership? Well, anytime ego creeps into our hearts, guess what? The Bible says, above all things, guard your heart. Why? Because it, it literally determines the course of your life. So therefore, we have to do everything we can to guard our hearts, to protect our hearts from being self-centered, to being me-focused. And here's what happens. If we're not careful, if we're not guarding our hearts, again, this is an inside job. If we're not guarding our hearts, then ego creeps into our heart. Now here's what you need to understand about ego. Ego is either driven by pride, which is an exaggerated view or perspective of ourselves and our abilities and who we are, or it's driven by fear. In other words, because of the insecurity, which drives not only pride, but it also drives, drives fear, if we allow fear to govern us, if we allow fear to drive us, then we're always trying to protect what we have for the fear of losing what we have because we are driven out of fear and insecurity because of the future and we want to hang on to what we got. So you got to understand fear and pride, ego, listen to this, here's what it stands for, you ready for this? Edges God out. That's what ego does. It edges God out. When we edge God out of our lives, when we allow ego to creep into our hearts, guess what it does? It separates me and my spouse. It alienates me from my spouse. It disconnects me from my kids. In other words, I'm only thinking about myself and my needs and what they can do to help me or what they can do to please me. I'm only focused on myself. And so what happens is, when we go to work on Monday, or we're, we're around people throughout the week on the business, you know, trip, or maybe we're, we're, we're around our, our co-workers or our employees or whatever company or business that you might be a part of, if we're not careful, if we are self-seeking and self-focused, if we allow ego to creep into our hearts, here's what happens. We can become defensive. We can become prideful. We can become very determined to do things our way because we want what we want and we want to do things the way we want to do it. Why? Because of either pride or because of fear. Rather than coming alongside and saying, I'm going to flip the script. Because Jesus said to his disciples, hey, anybody who wants to come, become a leader... Listen, we're not going to do it like everybody else. Instead, it's going to be different among you. We're going to flip the script, and as a result, you're going to have a different kind of ego. And that kind of ego stands for exalting God only. We're going to have a posture of a leader, a servant leader, 
that serves the vision of our organization, that serves the values and defends and protects and embodies the values of our organization, of our business, of our company? What can I do to help grow our organization? What can I do to come alongside and serve you as an employee? What can I do to come alongside and help the team win and give everybody else the credit for it? What can I do to come alongside and serve those in my workplace? What can I do to come home and serve my spouse if I'm married? What can I do to come alongside and speak life and encouragement and to model servant leadership to my children by meeting their needs and doing everything I can to set them up for success. How can I model servant leadership at home and at work? It begins with the heart. And we're either edging God out or we're, listen, we're exalting God only with our egos. And that's the reason why Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 22, verse 37, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. So therefore, the posture of our heart, listen, must be to exalt God only. And when we live our lives with a servant's heart and to honor God with what it is that God has entrusted to us, it moves from the heart, listen to this, to the head. Because that's what servant leadership does. It always begins with the heart, the intent, the motivations of the heart, and it travels to the head. You see, the mind justifies what the heart believes. Did you get that? So therefore, if we believe the lies, okay, that provoke fear or springs up pride within our hearts, guess what? then our minds will begin to justify the lies that we believe in our hearts. Therefore, we're going to act out in unproductive, selfish, self-seeking ways. Our behavior will be exalted, listen, will be exemplified through an egotistical way. And God wants us to do it differently. That's why we got to guard our hearts. Because when we guard our hearts and we exalt God only, and have the posture of a servant leader, listen to this, it changes how we see things and it changes how we think about things. Because God gives us a different kind of perspective. We begin to see with spiritual eyes, according to Ephesians 1 verse 18, where Paul said, my prayer for you is that God will enlighten you, that he will help open up the eyes of your hearts, that he'll illuminate to you what it is that God wants to do in you and through you. So therefore, how we see work, how we see home, we see it differently. We think about it differently. We see it and we understand it from God's point of view. And here's the beauty of that. The beauty of it is, is that everything that we do at home and at work gives us an opportunity to make an eternal impact for the glory of God. You know, Jesus taught his disciples two very powerful metaphors. One of them was salt. One of them was light. Remember the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, and Jesus told his disciples, he said, hey, he said, you are to be the salt of the earth. 
And what is the salt of the earth? Well, the salt of the earth is kind of interesting because when you think about salt, what does salt do? Well, salt gives us the ability to spice things up, right? I mean, if you like French fries, nobody likes eating French fries without any salt. It's plain, right? Nobody likes to eat popcorn without having some salt, right? I mean, how many of you like salt on watermelon? Come on, somebody. Can't just eat watermelon without putting some salt on it. I mean, salt spices things up. It brings out the flavor. It just makes it better, right? But when you use a lot of salt, guess what it does? It causes us to grow thirsty, right? So not only do we get thirsty, we start needing more and more of whatever it is that can help satisfy or quench our thirst. That's exactly what Jesus wanted his disciples to do. He said, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be the salt of the earth. Live your life in such a way where you create a spiritual thirst. Hey, add some spice. When you walk into work, hey, when you come home from, from, from the office or wherever, and you're coming into your family situation, into your atmosphere of your home, hey, come in and add some spice to it. Put a little flavor in it. Hey, create a thirst so that people will be drawn to what you do. And they also used the metaphor of light. What did he say about light? He said, hey, don't light your candle and then put it under a, a bushel or under a stand so that people can't see it. He said, no, 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 no. He said, put it up on top of the lampstand so that it can shine and it can radiate like a city on a hill for everybody to see. Because here's what happens. When your intent, your motivations of the heart is to exalt God only through servant leadership, which moves to your head where you see everything that you do from an eternal perspective, that there is a higher purpose, there is a greater calling on my life as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as a co-worker, as a business leader, as a, as a, as a business owner. As I see the higher calling that God has placed on my life, I go from the heart to the head, which is the internal, which manifests itself now to the external, the outside, which impacts my hands. And what do the hands represent? The hands represent how I live my life. It represents my outward behavior. It's the good deeds for everybody else to see. In other words, we become better salt shakers and we become better light bulbs. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be light bulbs and salt shakers at home and at work and everywhere we go. Because, listen, what that does is it draws people to who it is that God has called us to be. And that is what? To be mimickers of Jesus. To be servant leaders to those around us. The fourth thing is this. When we live our lives with the intent of our heart to be a servant, when we see and we think about everything that we do from an eternal perspective, a higher calling, we have a vision for our marriage, a vision for our home, we have values that are, that are important to us, that matter, and we're going to live out those values with our hands, by the way we live, the things that we do, the things that we choose not to do, so we can be better salt shakers and brighter light bulbs. 
The only way that can habit, habit, happen is through the habits of our everyday lives. Rick Warren said it this way. Our character is the sum total of our habits. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you wake up every day to an alarm clock? Let me see your hands. My wife, Michelle, she doesn't need an alarm clock. She just wakes up. It's the weirdest thing. Man, I have to have like a bullhorn in my ear. You know what I'm saying? But you know, have you ever thought about why they call them alarm clocks? Why not call them opportunity clocks? You ever thought about that? Because an alarm clock puts you in a state of panic, right? That's what an alarm does. It gets your attention, puts you in a state of a panic, like, oh, no, something's wrong. And as a result, when you wake up to an alarm clock, you now have a, pas a posture of defense where now you're waking up task-driven, task-oriented. And because you're task-oriented and you've been woke woken up by the alarm clock that puts you now in that task mode and on the defense, you are now responding and you're now reacting to everything that's going on. So you get up. You, 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 you know, quickly get dressed. If you got kids, you're trying to get them up, trying to get them dressed, get them ready for school, get them out the door, get them to school. You rush to work. And then you're all day, every day, every day, you're just going through the same drill, the same routine, the same ordeal every single day. You come home night after night after night, man, after running the rat race, and all of a sudden you come to bed, man, you're exhausted every day. The alarm cl clock goes off. Every day you're in the defense mode. Every day you're reacting. Every day you're reacting and responding to everything going on around you. You know what the problem is with the rat race? That even if you run a rat race, and even if you win a rat race, guess what? You're still a rat. And that's the way most people live their lives. And sadly, that's the way most Christians live their lives. Therefore, they can't be bright light. They can't be salty or salt. They forget to see and they forget to think things differently from an eternal perspective, understanding the higher calling that God has placed on their lives, and therefore, they no longer perhaps are positioning themselves to be the servant leader because they're allowing the ego, which is edging God out each and every day, to be driven by fear and pride. And that's not God's plan. How many of you like bowling? Let's see your hands. You like bowling? You know, what's interesting about bowling is bowlers, you think about bowling, bowlers, bowlers are, are measured by the impact that they have, right? And have you ever noticed how bowlers and bowling has changed so much over the course of time? I remember when I was a kid, I mean, you, you didn't, you know, it's, you only had maybe like two colors or three colors of balls to choose from, you know what I'm saying? Now they got them in all different colors and all the swirly things, you know, and designs on the balls. And, man, they got cool-looking shoes and, you know, cool-looking bowling outfits. And, man, they, they got, you know, they got these cool bowling lanes now. Man, they got LED screens, you know, that tracks your own. You don't have to do All you got to do is just bowl, you know what I'm saying? And so now they got 
all these different bowling techniques and you got the whole bowling get up and style and so a bowler gets up and a bowler can put his hands or her hands in the little holes and man they can come back and they can roll that ball down the lane and you know man even to have a little bit of like flair and style to even just do their whole style of technique of what they do and what's interesting is that you can look great on the outside. I mean, you can have it going on as a bowler. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can have the coolest fluorescent ball. Man, you can have the coolest style of clothes. You can have the coolest technique and all of that. But if there are still pins standing, you have failed as a bowler. Can I get an amen? And sadly and unfortunately for many of us who call ourselves Christians, hey, we go to church and we can get religiousified in the way that we do what we do. But as a result, we go to church, we do the Sunday thing, we check off the list, and yet we go to work and we go back to our families. And as a result, for many of us, we forget that the single most important thing for us to do is to knock down the pins, to have an impact with our lives, to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom of God, to make an impact at home, to make an impact at work, so that God can be exalted only in our lives. That's the plan and that's the purpose. That's how we win at home and win at work, is to make an impact. And so today, I want to conclude the message by inviting my, inviting my wife, Michelle, to join me up on stage. And as she makes her way up here, one of the things that I also want to do is I want to conclude my message with the same way that Jesus finished his life. Jesus began his earthly ministry with his disciples by teaching them a very important leadership principle. And he said, among you, you're not going to be like everybody else. If you're going to be a leader, you need to understand that you're going to serve. And everything that you do will not be about you. It will be about serving the needs of others. Jesus said, that's why I'm here. That's why I came. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. And to give my life as a ransom for many. So Jesus reinforced that on the front end. And then John chapter 3, the night before he went to the cross, before he was arrested, or later that night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was arrested, and before all of that took place, he gathered with his disciples in the upper room for the final time, because he knew that his hour had come. He knew that he was about to fulfill the mission that God sent him sent him to earth to do, to fulfill. And that was to lay down his life. So when they gathered that night, one after one of the disciples came and they took a seat at the table. And usually, in biblical times, it was kind of the custom, the culture, where out of hospi hospitality, 
just being hospitable, they would welcome a guest when they entered into the room. And the first thing they would do is they would wash their feet. Well, on this particular occasion, evidently there wasn't a servant there, or at least none of the disciples took on the form of a servant. And as a result, one by one, walked in, took their seat. Jesus recognized and saw what had happened. And so he got up from the table. He went and got the, the basin jar. And he walked over to his disciples. And you probably can only imagine what he must have been thinking. He must have been thinking, <laughs> I've spent the last three years with these these guys, I mean, just over and over and over and over have tried to help them understand. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's about others. So, he, Jesus, took on the form, once again, of a servant. And one by one, he went to his disciples and he took the basin, he took the, the water. And what he did is he wanted his disciples to understand by example what servant leadership is, what servant leadership looks like. So he went one by one and he began to wash and clean the disciples' feet. And he wanted them to understand the importance and the significance that as followers of his, our only aim, our only goal in our marriage relationship our relationship with our children how can we serve them how can we meet their needs how can we put their needs before my own as a business leader in the workplace with my team my co-workers how can I come alongside and add value to them? What can I do to serve them? How can I be brighter light, saltier salt? How can I behave, act, tone, the inflection of my voice, how I respond, what I do, what I choose not to do? How can I serve? those around me. Because how I serve others, how I meet the needs of others, how I put others' needs before my own is how the world will know that we truly are His disciples. The only way we're going to win at home and at work spheres of influence with the places and the positions and the 
opportunities that God has given to us. The only way that we can exalt God only, that we can advance the kingdom of God, and to fulfill God's greater plan and purposes for our lives is to follow the greatest leader example, leadership example the world has ever known. And that's Jesus, who is the ultimate servant leader. And so today, I want to leave you with that picture. And I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to go back home, go back into your workplace, and take on the posture of a servant leader and watch what God does. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. As we bow our heads and our hearts in a moment of prayer, I know that many of us in this room have different situations and circumstances. You know, even as a follower of Jesus, there may be some here today who, from a Christian testimony or maybe from positive influence whether it's people in your family co-workers at work maybe your spiritual light isn't burning as bright maybe you haven't necessarily created a thirst that others are drawn to that others are longing for that you have to offer And maybe today is an opportunity for you to simply confess and admit to God that your ego has edged him out. That for whatever reason, out of pride or fear, you've allowed those things to rob you from being the salt shaker and the light bulb that God has called you to be. To be the servant leader that he's called you to be. And maybe today, in your own way, in your own words, you just need to confess to God, saying, God, forgive me. God, help me to understand my heart and to see how my heart impacts the way I think with my head that relates to how I live through my behavior with my hands. And it's all because the habits of my life that builds my character. And maybe today we just need to cleanse ourselves with some spiritual soap. Because each and every day we need to get into the scripture. We need to observe what it says. We need to apply it to our lives. And we need to pray say, God, use me. Use me to be the servant leader you've called me to be. And I want to give you that opportunity there at your seat. Others of you here today, maybe God has revealed to you the need to put your faith in Jesus. And maybe what's missing in your life today is a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you've never put your faith in him, 
You've never trusted him to be your Lord and your Savior. You've never truly experienced God's forgiveness for your sin. Would you be willing to pray this prayer? Those of you watching online, you can pray it as well. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner and I turn from my sin. And Jesus, today I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And today, by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul today. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you happen to have prayed that prayer, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high toward heaven today as a testimony, saying, yes, count me in. I just prayed that prayer, not ashamed to admit it. Maybe you're watching online, and maybe just click that little raised hand button or click or type in the words, I decide in the chat. God bless you over here. Those of you here in the room, God bless you. Thank you. Father, we're thankful for these who have made decisions in their hearts today to put their faith and their trust in you. Lord, we pray as we come close to you, Father, you would come close to us. May we experience your presence in ways unlike we've never experienced before. For we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Hey, let's give God a little shout of praise. Amen. Well, let me just, uh, let me just say today, if you prayed that prayer and you invited Christ into your life, um, if, especially if you were in the room today, can I invite you to take just a moment and uh, take the communication card, the connection card that we uh, exposed you to earlier at the end of the service, and just make sure you take a moment, complete that. You'll notice there's a place there at the towards the bottom. There's a blue uh, area that says I'm committing my life to Jesus. And if you did that today, if you have a pen there, put a check mark in that box. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to uh, fill this out and let us know that you invited Christ into your life. And in the foyer, we have a table that's called Next Steps. And we would love to have the opportunity to talk with you further about that. We have a little booklet we'd love to put in your hands that looks just like this that will kind of walk you through your next spiritual steps. It has a little 30-day reading plan for you to start reading your Bible and through the life of Jesus. It's a great little tool that will help answer spiritual questions that you have as well. You can also drop that information in the offering container uh, here in just a second, and we can also collect it from you in that way. But we hope you'll stop by the Next Steps table on your way out. We'd love to put a face and a name together with you. Another thing, too, just so you know, uh, we're going to be having... Having a week from next Sunday, which I believe is the 23rd of October, we're actually going to be going to the beach because of the hurricane and some challenges, some curveballs that were kind of thrown at us. We've had to, uh, unfortunately, we've had to pivot. We've had to make some uh, some calendar changes, and so this is going to be our last beach baptism of the year, God willing. <laughs> the 23rd, we're going to be going back to Sherry Down. Uh, a beach there in Cocoa Beach and so if you want to be baptized by immersion and to do that at the beach we'd love to have that opportunity to do that with you so let us know you can uh, fill out that information or you can go to the next steps uh, table on your way out and uh, we'll talk you through that so you know what to uh, expect and how to be prepared for that and then one other thing next week is our what we call our welcome party and so we're excited about that. It's a great way for you to get connected with us as a church to learn more about 
how you can get connected and ways that you can connect with people spiritually and relationally so that you can become all that God has created you to be. And then lastly, we would love for you to take an opportunity um, to help continue to support the needs of uh, those that we're reaching out to and blessing through uh, the supply drive. And then also today, as I stated, uh, anything over and above our regular giving, we're going to be giving those uh, funds to our uh, ministry partners to help those who are on the front lines that are meeting needs and making a difference in people's lives during this very, very difficult time. You know, we may not be able to go physically to help, but we can go financially. We can help be the hands and the feet through our generosity, through our giving. So let's be faithful in that way. I just want to say thank you once again for being a generous church for allowing God to use you the way he does each and every week through your tithes, through your offerings, so that we can do what we do as a church to be salt shakers and to be light bulbs, amen, to a world that desperately needs it. Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to be able to call you Lord. Thank you that we can come before you and our ego can exalt God only. That's our intent. That's our heart, Lord. We want to be servant leaders. And Lord, today I pray that we'll have the opportunity to bless somebody. I pray that this week at work we can be a brighter light, saltier salt to somebody that we can influence. God, for our families, for our marriages, for our kids. Lord, help us, God, to be able to thrive and to become all that you've created us to be. Lord, I pray as a church that, Lord, will advance your purposes. Lord, will grow your kingdom. And, Lord, we'll do whatever it takes, Lord, to reach our city beyond with a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, everybody. Let's all stand to our feet and let's worship today as we get.